And I'd like us to take our Bibles here this morning, and uh, good to have you here this morning. I'm going to uh, speak to you on probably one of the most unpopular uh, subjects in the Bible, um, probably one of the most uh, unpopular subjects in life, uh, again, is on the subject of sin. Um, one of the least popular subjects that preachers like to preach on is the subject of sin. Um, the subject of hell is another one that uh, most preachers spend very little time on. But uh, I want to look at the subject of sin this morning from maybe kind of a different perspective. Uh, shouldn't be a different perspective to uh, a Bible believer, but I want to consider here how God sees sin. How God sees sin. And uh, in order to do this, I'd like us to turn here to Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, the first 13 verses of this chapter and consider how God sees sins. Now, there's a lot of ways in which God sees sin, but uh, we see here especially how he sees it and also how serious sin is. And so let's go ahead and read this uh, chapter, at least part of this chapter of the Bible to begin with here this morning. Again, just follow along with me as I read the word of God here today. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass when... Men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born unto them. That The sons of men saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all that they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. And repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and aggrieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man that I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, the fowls of the air, and it repented me that I have made them. God found grace, sorry, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth was out also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy it with the earth. This morning I want to consider this thought, how God sees sin. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you again for your word. Again, I ask that you would again help us, Lord, to uh, consider this morning how God sees sin. Again, man sees sin so very differently than God. I don't know that we can fully comprehend how God truly sees sin, but help me, Lord, again, at least a bit here, or as much as, as I can possibly be able to show from the scriptures what sin uh, is like to God. Help us, again, to see that sin is a very serious thing. And, again, it was sin that led to the destruction of, 
of mankind to a great degree at this time. And uh, we certainly know it is a serious matter. Father, bless this time as you meet here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think of sin in general. Um, God sees sin so much different than us. I mean, it's so much different than us. I don't care who you are, but no one sees sin, I believe, like God truly sees it. We can try as a preacher to convey what sin is like and how detestable and disgusting and deviant really sin is, but it is God that sees sin in a very different way than we do. No, I think about sin and and man is prone to downplay it. First thing man does is try to downplay it. It's like, first thing man will do, it says everybody sins. You know why people say everybody sins? Often it's an excuse so they can sin. You know, someone says, if we sin all the same, then we're all going to get along just fine. You've heard, maybe you haven't heard that expression before. If we sin the same, we'll get along just fine. If we sin the same, in other words, if our sin, say is, for instance, and I'll throw this out there, gluttony, we'll get along just fine. Well, I'll say gluttony doesn't matter. I mean, it's just maybe a little sin. As you see in the Bible that, again, people talk about sin and they'll say, it, it was but a little. It's just a little sin. You know, we all often see man come along and they'll, they'll downplay sin. Oh, it's not a big deal because God doesn't do anything about it. I mean, I was looking here just a few days ago at an example of this where someone was spouting off and said, if, you know, God be true and I'm doing wickedly, then God should kill me. Yeah, is it, would it be righteous for God to kill someone like that just because they say, well, he should kill me and, and all that kind of thing? And, 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 and people just downplay it and they'll downgrade it. They'll redefine it. They'll uh, uh, define it in different ways. And again, we see again a downplay. It's downplay a lot of times. It's just a dysfunction. People are born dysfunctional. And that's why they sin this way or they live this way. Well, they talk this way. That's, how, that's the way, you know, I heard someone say just recently, that's the way our family says things. They were talking about cursing. We just curse all the time. It's just the way our family is. We curse. You know, someone says, you know, uh, when it comes to sin, what is sin? It's, it's, it's just a disease. You know, people will take something that's a sin and they'll say it's, but a disease, it's a disorder, it's a dysfunction, it's an error in judgment, it's a mistake, it's a miscalculation, it's a blunder, it's an accident. All these are redefining what sin is, especially to God. Now we go back to Genesis chapter 6 and we think about uh, what happened as a result of sin during this time. A great flood came to mankind, destroyed beasts, animals, and people by the millions, I would guess. By the multitudes, for sure. And people look at this chapter of the Bible and say, well, this never happened. Well, if it never happened, then you don't have to even think about the fact that God would judge sin so severely. And so they'll look at this chapter of the Bible and they'll say, you know, Genesis chapter 6 never happened and 7 and whatever. There was a local flood. 
It was a local event. You know, we think about man. Man is prone to downplay and redefine what is right and what is wrong. I mean, today, I mean, a sin could be called a choice. Well, that's just a choice. No, it's murder. You know what I'm talking about, but that's murder. It's not a choice. Well, they have this kind of disorder. And that's why they do that. He's a kleptomaniac. In other words, he's a thief. He likes to steal a lot. He's a kleptomaniac. You go on with all kinds of thoughts that way, but again, I'm not trying to point out how man looks at sin because man always downplayed it. Downplays. He always downgrades. He always redefines it. He always looks for a way to kind of wink at it and think, you know, it's not a big deal to God. But we see in this chapter of the Bible several things that I'd like to point out. I'm not going to look at this in an expository way by any stretch of the imagination because I'm looking at here how God sees sin. He sees it. See in verse number five, the Bible says, And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thought of his heart was only evil continually. I think of this verse in the Bible. I just... It's hard to comprehend how man who was created for God's pleasure, which Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11 tells us we were created for God's pleasure, I got to the point where he was not only doing wrong, but he was thinking wrong. Every imagination of thoughts of man was only evil continually. I mean, it's one thing to be, I mean, all, all people, I mean, when it comes to sin, it's, of course, it's, it's more about actions. Well, I've never committed adultery, but I've committed adultery in my heart. I never slandered anyone, but I've slandered someone in my heart. I never hated, but I've hated my heart. I've never wanted to do this, that, and whatever it might be, and, but, but man will do that in his heart. And so man will look around and say, you know, it's not a big deal. But here as God looks at it, he saw the wickedness of the earth. It was great in the earth, and that every imagination and thoughts of man were only evil continually. Evil. Things that would hurt not only themselves, but also hurt other people. There's violence there. God saw it. It talks about that in verse 11. It says the earth was corrupt before God and, and, and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, and, and the Lord looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Goes on in verse 13, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy it, destroy them with the earth. Now God created a perfect earth for people to live upon. And yet man comes along and he perverts his way and he greatly sins against God. There are words, again, that I want you to take note of here. In verse number five, the Bible says, and God saw that the, saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Again, how did God see sin? He saw it as great. He saw it as thoroughly infecting 
the minds and the hearts of just about everybody on the earth. In a great way, it says, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So man, all he was thinking about is, is bad stuff. Evil stuff. Wicked stuff. I think of our society today. There's so much corrupt thinking. Evil thoughts. I mean, people watch the most wicked of things. People are involved with the most violent of games. People are involved with occultic practices. There are people that... I mean, produce book after book after book that people read about wizardry and wickedness and violence and, 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 and all these kind of things. And I think about, you know, how bad was it back in Noah's day? It was really bad. But how bad is it today? Again, the Bible describes as how God saw it. He saw sin at this time is great. It was enormous. It was large in dimension. It was expansive in magnitude. It reached all corners of the world so that God decided the best thing to do would be to destroy nearly all of humanity. And along with that humanity, we destroy many of the creatures. It goes back to verse number seven. It says, the Lord said, I will destroy man from the, uh, that I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and the fowls of the air. For repenteth me that I have made them. The degradation at this time certainly probably was very expansive. He not only destroyed man, but he's destroyed beast. Again, I don't know exactly why he did that. But you may know about the term bestiology, and I won't go into any detail about that. I mean, the wickedness of man was just, just really bad. The wickedness of the world was really bad. It was great. And that's how God sees sin as great. But also we see there in verse number six, to God it's grievous. And he repented the Lord, they had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You know, it's... it's it's something to be grieved. And that, again, we think of grieving as normally just simply a sadness. And it is a lot of times. When people grieve, they are sad. But have you ever been to the place where you were in pain of heart because of something that was going on? I mean, you, maybe you're in an event and it's a very extreme event. Maybe... And again, I, I don't know that anybody here has been there, but I mean, a, a, a grievous, painful event or painful time where you're grieved to the heart. I mean, when I think about God and how he sees sin and when he saw this expansive and this great, it grieved him at his heart. He didn't like what he seen. He was sad at what he seen. It pained him to his very heart. Humanity had gone so far from where he wanted it to be. And it was there. And God saw sin here as great. He saw uh, sin as grievous. But not only that, he said in verse number 11, it says, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And the Lord looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. How does God see sin? It's absolutely corrupt. 
Three times corrupt. What does corrupt mean? It means not to be what it should be. It means to be spoiled. And so God saw the world in, through his very own eyes, and he saw the world as being one, again, full of sin, full of violence. It mentions there, verse 11, the earth was corrupt and the earth was filled with violence. It was full of evil imaginations. And uh, someone says, you know, I can't believe God would destroy his creation like this. And I would say this. I probably would have destroyed it much earlier if I was a man. God had put, I mean, man had pushed against God. God. God was out of his thoughts. God was not, they were not in tune with God. They certainly weren't following the great commandment to love the Lord their God with all their heart. They weren't loving God. They weren't living for God. They weren't following the laws of God. They were doing everything and anything in, in general, it seems like, that was anti-God and anti-helpful. It was evil that they thought. and It was evil that they were doing. And the Bible says that God decided I'm destroying the earth. Someone says, how bad is sin? It can lead to destruction. It led to the destruction of much of humanity at this time. But let's turn to Luke in the New Testament, Luke chapter 17, talking about sin and uh, talking about what sin is about. Again, we need to see things at least in part through the eyes of God. It's it's not, I mean, within, it's within our ability, I believe, to see our ourselves as we truly are. I believe Isaiah saw himself as despicable before God. Unclean before God. Isaiah 6. I'm not going to go there, but Isaiah 6. He saw himself as uh, not right with God. Out of sorts with God. And we can sometimes maybe see to at least some degree how God sees us. But here in Luke chapter 16, I want to read just a little bit about the days of Noah and, and uh, the generation of Noah. It was a time of extreme wickedness. It was a time of extremely evil imaginations. It was a time of extreme violence. It was a time of doing wickedness to the extreme. Luke chapter, six, uh, Luke chapter 17, verse number 26. It says, as in the days of Noah... And again, that's just another word for Noah. So shall it be also be in the days of the Son of Man. They shall eat and they drink and they married wives and they were given to marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And it goes on and says, In that day he that shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that is field, let him not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and who shall seek to lose his life shall preserve it. 
I tell you, in that day, there shall be two men in bed. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men, two women shall grind together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one taken and the other left. And they answered and said, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now, when the day of the Lord comes, it mentions the, the Son of Man there, going back to verse number 26, what it'll be like. It'll be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And as things were destroyed during the days of Noah and things were destroyed by the, in the days of Lot, again, we see the magnitude of sin. You know, during the days of Noah, the earth was destroyed by the flood. And then the days of Lot, a city and some cities on a play were destroyed by fire. And someone says, how serious is sin to God? It led him to destroy the world through a flood. It led God to destroy a city by fire. And uh, so, so someone says, how, how bad is sin to God? God sees us as truly evil, truly wicked, and truly bad. People only like the word wicked. Oh, don't say wicked. Just say naughty. People are naughty. And again, we think about, again, how God sees sins. He sees all sin as being wicked, wrong. He sees sin as being not only wicked or wrong, but he also sees sin as being evil and bitter. I want to show you this. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. Again, as we see sin, we might see as, oh, it's just a little misdeed here, a little white lie, a little small thing here and, and there. Or, you know, everybody sins, and if we don't sin too much, you know, God doesn't really care about sin. If we sin a lot, then, yeah, we could get in trouble, etc., and that's how we might see sin. And so we might see sin as a light thing, but God sees it as, as not only a wicked thing, but an evil and bitter thing. Let's look at a few verses here in Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's pick up in verse number 13. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 13. It says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They have forsaken me read more about this verse number 18 and now what hast thou to do with the way of Egypt to drink the waters of Seor uh, what hast thou to do with the Assyria to drink the waters of the river thine own wickedness shall correct thee thy own backsliding shall reprove thee know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, we might think about things in, in our terminology or how we might sing, but here, here it helps define how God sees things. It mentions in verse number 18 and 19, the wickedness, just like in Genesis. It talks about the wickedness of man. But it mentions here, what is the wickedness of these people? It says here that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee. 
what is wickedness? What is wrong? God? When you don't have fear in you, a fear of God, what is wickedness to God? It is when uh, we have forsaken the Lord, our God, for something or or maybe, again, for whatever it might be, it is an evil and bitter thing that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. Let's read on there a little bit. Verse number 22. For though thou wash thee with nitre and make thee much soap, yet thy iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. You know, some people, and again, I'm not saying some people, maybe all people, however we want to say it. Again, I'm not going to try to just make it for certain peoples. But I'm just saying when someone sins, sometimes they'll try to clean up their life somehow and clean uh, themselves or try to make themselves pure or whatever it might be. And uh, it says here that even though you come along and try to wash yourself up and clean yourself up, it's marked before me. God still sees it. It's like trying to get rid of uh, maybe permanent markers sometimes. It's hard to get rid of that, isn't it, sometimes? Ever put permanent marker on a shirt? Try doing that on a dress shirt sometimes. Put some permanent marker on a shirt and see what happens there. You can try to wash it. You try to clean it. You try to get rid of it. It's probably not going to come out. When it comes to sin, someone says, well, I'm just going to cover it. I'm going to try to clean it. I'm going to try to do whatever I, I can to it. But yet God says, it's still wicked. It's still wrong. It's polluted. It's corrupt. It says, hast thou, verse 23, how canst thou say I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See the way in the valley? Know that thou hast done. Thou art as swift as Dromery traversing your ways. It goes on and talks about some things. That people say, well, we haven't gone after Balaam. Well, how do you know you didn't go after Balaam? How do you know, in a sense, when people uh, practice idolatry, many times they're black, uh, blind through idolatrous practice, but you'll see over and over in the Bible, one of the things that God certainly hates is idolatry. He hates pride. He hates covetousness. He hates stealing. He hates hiding your sins. He hates hypocrisy. He hates unbelief. He hates perversions of sexuality. He hates murder. And all these kinds of things. We could go on and on. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. But as we look at things, we say, well, it was just a slip up. It was just a mess up. It was this, that, or the other thing. And and uh, people forsake the Lord for work, for play, for pleasure, for dollars, for evil, for other gods, for Balaam, for Baal, whoever it might be. And they might not see us being bad, but God sees us as an evil thing and bitter. Jeremiah 6, verse number 13 verse number 15, Jeremiah had a difficult task of dealing with the sins of his people. They had strayed much from God, not just corrupting themselves by forsaking the Lord, but also going after other gods. Verse 13, it says, for from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even to the priest, every one dealeth falsely. I just want to stop there. Everybody's covetous. Everybody deals falsely. Everybody is an assistant. They're, 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 they're manipulating. They're deceiving. Sounds a lot like today. 
In verse 14, they have, healed, uh, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of thy people, slightly saying, peace, peace, and there is no peace. Were they shamed when they committed abominations? Nay, they were not at all shamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At a time I will, ca I will visit them and cast them down. And we see again here, God sees sin in a different way than we do. As God looks down at sin, he sees it as an abomination. He sees it as detestable. He sees it as vile. He sees it as shameful. He sees it as wicked. And man may see things differently, but we're looking at how God sees things. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse number 4. As we look at sin, sin is, sin is about, and I wanted to find sin here a little bit in case you don't know what sin is, and and again, as you look at sin and you may define what you do or I do or what we think or what we imagine, again, you can see how sin can be very prevalent. Yet, to most people, they think, you know, I've done nothing wrong here. Sin is not just about doing things that are wrong. It's about doing and missing things that are right. But I want to start out by that traditional definition of sin and it's found here in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So what is sin? Sin is breaking the law of God. It is simply breaching the law of God. It is violating the law of God. It is taking the law of God and saying, I'm going to skip over it, I'm going to pass over it, I'm not going to do it. And what is sin? It is the transgression of the law. It is the willful violation of the law. When Samson went out and touched that lion, he touched a dead carcass, and as he took a vow to be a Nazarite to God, he violated God's law. When he went out and did some other things, he violated God's law. And so when someone says, what is a sin? It's it's any time you see a law that's established in the word of God and you do contrary to it or I do contrary to it. Doesn't matter if it's the law of love, which we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. When we don't do that, we violate God's law. Someone says, I got a problem with my neighbor. All the time you have your problem with your neighbor, you're in violation of God's law. I'm to love my neighbor as myself. If I don't do that, I'm violating God's law. Now someone says, well, that's a high standard. I understand that. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3. That is a high standard. That means, again, we can be many times in places we are violating God's law. We are transgressing. We're overstepping it. We are ignoring it, whatever it might be. And someone says, well, it's but a little law. This is a big law. Again, isn't that man just downplaying things? Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, it says, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We miss God's standard. And so when someone talks about sin, what is sin? It is missing what God would have us to be, to do, or to think according to his law. Let's turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. What is sin? Again, this is how God sees it. It is missing God's standard, his laws. Again, it might be his principles. Someone might say, well, there's principles. Well, there are principles of holiness. There's principles 
of uh, faith or principles that the Bible would have us to follow after. It may even doesn't say, thou shalt not. But according to other scriptures, it would say, thou shalt not. James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So what is sin? It is omitting the good. And we could do that like almost every day, maybe almost every hour, maybe almost every minute. Omitting the good. Who's good? God is. And so again, we think about, again, omitting the good. Yeah, it says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So maybe God says in his word for you to do something. You say, well, not today, Lord. I'm not going to read my Bible today. Is that a good thing to do? Let me ask you that. Is it a good thing to read your Bible every day? You would say, probably as a Christian, yes. When I don't do that, what do I do? I sin against God. Again, then someone says, well, for a Christian, what do you mean by not doing good? Well, giving thanks to God. Praying continually to God. On and on we could go. Someone says, well, I mean, when you think about sin, what is, again, sin? Sin is omitting the good. And so when the world was only thinking about doing evil continually, when it was corrupt before God, and uh, we see God destroy it back there in Genesis chapter 6, why do you say God would do such a thing? Because they were just doing totally contrary to what God would have them to do. Let's turn to Romans chapter 14. Now, someone might say, well, again, when it comes to sin, what, what is sin? Well, it's, first of all, it's a violation of God's law. It's missing God's standard. Secondly, it's omitting that which is good. And uh, thirdly, if you turn to Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, now this puts the bar maybe a little higher. Again, someone might say a little higher. Yes, I say a little higher because people don't think about this one very often. Romans chapter 14 and uh, verse number thir- uh, 23, it says, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So someone living outside of faith sins. So if I'm living in worry, I'm living in bitterness, I'm living in whatever it might be, if I'm living outside of faith, and I'm operating outside of faith, it's sin. If I'm operating by sight, it's sin. If I'm doing things without exercising faith or trust in God, I sin. Now, someone says, that's, that's, that's really high. That's really a high bar when it comes to sin. I'm not saying we're seeing it how we see it, but God sees living outside of faith is sin. So someone goes along and says, I'm counting up all these things, and I'm thinking this is the best thing to do, and I'm not praying or thinking about it. I'm just going to do it because that's the right thing or whatever it might be, is there an element of faith? If there's not an element of faith, there's sin. Sin is against the Lord primarily. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 51. I understand that we can sin against people, and certainly that's uh, very possible and probable. Uh, again, for, for people in general, not excusing it, but just noting it. Um, Living outside of faith, again, that's easy for people to do. There's certainly a lot of people living outside of faith. They're living uh, in, uh, you know, false uh, teachings. They're living after the world. They're living after their flesh. Uh, Whatever it might be, that's sin. Uh, 
But uh, Psalm chapter 51 also defines sin here a little bit for us. Let me read verse number 3 and verse number 4. It says, For I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is ever before thee, against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest justify when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And so when we look at sin, we say, well, what is sin? It's, 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 it's rebelling against God. Against thee and thee only I was sin. So it says, I, I, I broke the law. Yes, you broke the law, but you broke the law before God. In this case, in Psalm 51, David committed adultery, and someone says he sinned against the man that he was married to, but he sinned primarily against the Lord. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Sin has, again, a payment. Sin has problems with it. But again, as we think about sin, we see God uh, saw sin. He saw it openly. And someone might say, well, you know, God saw this and, and God saw that. But turn to, turn to Proverbs chapter 15. But, you know, uh, maybe, maybe there's some things God doesn't see because, you know, he just doesn't know. He's not in the know about that uh, sort of matter. Proverbs 15, verse number 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are on every place beholding the evil and the good. He sees the good. He sees the evil. He sees the actions. He sees the attitudes. He sees the heart. He sees the motive. He sees the works. He sees the wickedness. God sees it all. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. Now someone says, well, well, God sees it all. Well, that means that if God sees it all, and God knows it all, and God in a place of being able to, to uh, take in all this kind of thing, well, what's God going to do with all this, this stuff? Well, let's read about it here a little bit. Luke chapter 12, verse number 1 through verse number 5. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be made known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in the darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which was spoken in the ear in the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. For I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more they can do to you. But I say, I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him, which after you have killed, have power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Now this is very a serious and sobering type message that Jesus is delivering here. And uh, he mentions here uh, to beware, verse number one, of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. You know, the Pharisees were known to try to follow the law and they do a lot of things right. In fact, Jesus commended them for the giving. He commended them for their praying. He commended them for their fasting. He commended them for a lot of things religiously. But there was one thing about the Pharisees that he noted, not only here, but also in Matthew 23. It mentions specifically, beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. 
And again, you could go into this more, and I'm not going to go into this more, but, but you know, you think about how God sees things. He sees hypocrisy, and he sees how the Pharisees, I believe here, as it talks about verse number two, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed or made known. So there's a lot of things that you could see in the Pharisees that probably was right, and they look good on the outside. He talks about there in Matthew 23, but uh, on the inside they were a whole different story. And he, he says there, to be afraid of them. Be not afraid of them that kill a body, but be afraid of God, who has the ability to cast an nail. Fear him. You know, when we look at this subject of sin, we see, God again, sin is serious. We see sin is open before God. We see that God sees it, and we see that God can see the hypocrisy, and, and there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. And people will hide their sin. Isaiah 29, 15 says, Want to them that seek deep to hide their counsel, their works, and they cover their sin, and they add sin to their sin, Isaiah talks about. So they, they hide it. They, they counsel to probably, I mean, cover it up, whatever it means. They, they add sin to their sin, but yet God will discover it, and God knows all about it. And, and someone says, well, what's the big issue with sin? What's, what's the problem with sin? Well, let's turn back to Genesis chapter 6. Well, Genesis chapter 6, the problem with sin and the problem with uh, sin in general is not just that God sees it and God knows all about it and God sees it in different ways. He sees it as great. He sees it as grievous. He sees it as corruption. He sees it in, in its violent terms. But what's the, what's the major issue with this sin? Well, look at verse number 12. It says, And, the, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Well, what's the problem with sin? It's a matter of corruption. Man had corrupted his way so much that it mentions there in verse number 13, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. You know, we think about sin and we think, well, it's not so bad. Everybody does it, whatever it might be. And, and someone says, you know, it's not a big deal to God, etc. But uh, let's turn to Psalm chapter 5. I wasn't going to turn necessarily here, but let's turn here nonetheless. Psalm chapter 5, verse number 4 and verse number 5. Uh, when we look at sin, sometimes we say, well, you know, God, God doesn't think of sin as a big deal. It's, it's not a problem to God. Well, look at Psalm chapter 5, verse number 4 and 5. It says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the works of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and the deceitful man. And he goes on and says some other things. But, you know, it's, it looks like it's quite a big deal to God there. Thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. Now, God doesn't just wink at it. God doesn't, you know, just not care about it. It's not a big deal to God. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Again, a familiar text, but nonetheless, I just want to say this. It's important that you take sin serious. You know, I don't think many people take sin serious. Not at all. I mean, not at all the way God looks at sin. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, there's a big problem there when it comes to sin. God deals with sin, and he's going to destroy sin. He's going to keep sin separate from him. The wages of sin is death there. And so that's a big problem. So, again, death came to the world back in Genesis. In a major way, death came to all those who did not board the ark. But there was grace available. The Bible says, if you go back there and just quickly here, uh, there's something important for us to see there. In, in the midst of death that would come as a result of the sinfulness of that time, it says in verse number eight, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. You know, it was a very sinful time, but grace was available. And grace is ever available. As long as we have breath, grace is available. Only trust him that our sins can be forgiven. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 says, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Our sins of omission, our sins of commission, our sins of, again, not exercising faith, our sins of transgression. Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. Someone might say, well, what's the problem with sin? Well, sin will lead to your death. One day, sin will lead to your death. The wages of sin is death. At the end of life, there's death. Death will come, physical death will come, but the most serious part is the second death. And again, I'm not going to talk about that a lot, but the second death is where someone, again, is cast into hell. And um, that, again, is a very serious thing. And to stay from that second death, we need to have salvation. And again, someone says, how can I have salvation? Well, here's a pretty clear verse that talks about how exactly we can have salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, it says, For he, hath made, he was made him to be sin for us, that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God was made sin for us. He took our sin for us. He's that sin bearer that is willing to take away our sins. He's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, and that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just about done here. Ephesians chapter 2. When it comes to life, God sees sin. He doesn't ignore sin. He, again, is totally in the know about sin, whether it's in my life or your life or anybody's life. It's not hid. Uh, we might try to hide it, but it's known. And uh, so how do we deal with this sin? Well, we need grace. We need salvation by grace. I want to read just a little bit about that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses in sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation or lifestyle in times past, according to the lust of the flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
For his great love, worthy love does. Even when we're dead in sins, it quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. Then verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, the world received the wages of sin. They received death. They received the wages of sin. For those certainly that were lost, they were condemned to hell. For the few that were alive on the ark, they found grace. And so there's a need to find grace. Let's turn to John chapter 1. I'm just about done here. One more verse here. John chapter 1, verse number 12. The Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How do you receive the grace of God? You receive it by faith. You trust him by faith. You receive salvation by grace. You deserve death but you're able to receive grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and the rest of the world received the wages of sin, which is death. How serious is sin? It's bitter before God. It's corrupt before God. It's wicked before God. It's awful. It's an abomination to God. But we see the consequences of sin is death, but there's also life. There's life on the ark. There's life in Jesus Christ. Let's close as we consider the word of God here this morning.